Welcome to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast with your host, award-winning realtor, Matt Glenn, and top producing mortgage broker, Taylor Atkinson. Professionals in the industry, enthusiastic entrepreneurs, and successful investors. When it comes to real estate, we're all in. All right. How's it going, Taylor? Pretty good, man. Just had a, a weekend. Um, yeah, did some babysitting with the niece and nephew. Had my nails painted. So playing, on Instagram, but good yeah, on you. Yeah, playing the uncle duties. I didn't realize we didn't have any nail polish remover until <laughs> the next morning, and it took me a few days to get it. So, yeah, there's been some <laughs> awkward meetings, but... It's amazing how uh, much that those kinds of things show up. Like you don't, you wouldn't think that'd be a big deal, but it's like all you can look at. Yeah. Well, I went out for a lunch meeting. We're like having sushi, and I kept looking at my fingers. Like, okay. Yeah. 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 How uh, How are you doing? Good. Good. Had a bachelor party in Kootenays this weekend. It was pretty fun. Nice. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Kootenays is a a good spot. You guys, Airbnb out there? Yeah. Got an Airbnb house. It was pretty nice. Yeah. None of us have really been there. I don't think, and it was a good time. Right on. Yeah. Today's interview was was awesome. I always feel like I leave with so much more information when I chat with Stefano, but I also feel like an idiot when I'm talking to him half the time because he's just a wealth of knowledge. So yeah, he is a smart guy. He, yeah, he's got some interesting points. So I think specifically, he's great with self-employed, whether you're incorporated or not. He has great investment vehicles, tax planning, like some really good just financial advice. Yeah, nice strategies to work on. Yeah. If you're not working with a financial advisor, like you definitely should. I think it maybe used to be more of a stigma where it was like, oh, you know, they're going to manage my mutual funds and charge me a fee. And now I can do it. Like I can do self-directed RSPs and all this tax stuff myself. And um, I got a TD Waterhouse account and I just, I'll just day trade and I can make more money. But that's not what he's doing right like that's a very small part of his business but a large part of the business is just strategizing for generational wealth and uh that's something you can't do by yourself well, like yeah tax strategies and all that and it's it was interesting he's he's a smart guy yeah and obviously like i said in the show full transparency i i work with him myself i have a, a whole life policy for our son i use the hsa account with him myself so yeah i'm i'm doing what i'm saying with uh who to work with for sure i am going to be seeing him pretty shortly here so yeah we is we believe in it and you will too that's for sure yeah well uh enjoy the show guys this is a good one take lots of notes and uh reach out to stefano or any financial advisor or team member that you have and um yeah get get things organized enjoy Okay, so I'd like to uh, welcome our next guest. He is former midfielder from the SFU uh, University, played soccer there. He participates in a 200-kilometer ride every August from uh, Hope to Vancouver for BC Cancer Foundation. He eats about 50 bowls of pasta every week. Funny enough, that's the same number as his handicap in golf. Made his first two million playing poker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The poker. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you did like a hundred financial presentations in the span of a year. Or how, what was the number there? Yeah. When we're at our peak, it was, yeah, probably somewhere around there, about a hundred financial education seminars, what we used to do in the course of a year. Awesome. Well, I'd like to, uh, yeah, welcome Stefano Panu. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, how does that work with your? presentations you go by yourself or you have a team with you 
So originally how it started was myself and business partner running our joint practice down in Vancouver is where I sharpened my teeth uh, in the industry. And we used it as a way to bring financial education to the workplace. And our way of doing that was to partner with a lot of organizations in particular in the lower mainland of, of BC and partner with their uh, employee assistance programs. So yeah. uh, their EAP plans. Because what we found out was that a lot of EAP plans that were offered by some of these big corporations provided a lot of employee assistance in the way of, say, mental health or medical health, like health benefits in the form of like uh, RMTs or chiropractor and, and yeah. where, to, where to gain access to, to people for that purpose. But one thing that they lacked was providing uh, financial education. And so our thought was that we could come in and free of charge, provide yeah. that piece in conjunction with some of the program offerings that they were already doing on, on the other side of things. And so um, we found a lot of success in doing that. Yeah. And our success came in the in, in the form of, you know, doing up to about 100 presentations in, in, at our peak. And it was with some big organizations like WorkSafe BC. We taught, we used to teach for in the health, uh, for the health authorities, yeah. uh, Provincial Health Services Authority, which is Children's and Women's Hospital in Vancouver, all of the cancer clinics, the Center for Disease Control, as well as a lot of the municipalities like City of Vancouver, City of North Vancouver. We used it uh, and found a lot of success to come in, take these uh, employees, staff through our nine course curriculum that we had designed and by the time uh, you, you kind of got them through the, the nine courses, uh, a couple of years had gone by and you've gotten exposure to thousands and thousands of people. That's honestly kind of amazing. How did you get that? Like, how did you make those, get those meetings? You just call up these businesses and ask them to do a presentation? Yeah, so that was really early on in, in my career, um, trying to establish a business is, you know, you're, you're told to, to pick up the phone and, and start yeah. making some, some calls. And so that was the, the dark days of, <laughs> of getting up and running. I think it still works. Yeah. It's yeah, it still works. It's a numbers game. You guys have kind of phased away from that now, like, cause you have your, your clientele set up. You're not doing as many meetings or. Yeah, exactly. You get to a certain point where, you know, everyone has capacity. And so what you try to do is Rather than casting the wide net, you try to go deep in particular areas. And so the seminar stuff is a really good way of casting the wide net. Yeah. But it's not so good at getting the deep-rooted expertise in certain areas. Yeah, no kidding. Matt crushes it at door knocking, but, you know, that's like one door every 20. Well, like, you're you're getting hundreds of people in. Yeah, like, that's yeah. almost the same thing, right? Because we want to do that, too. Like, go into businesses and have our little presentation stuff and talk to them. So that's awesome to hear that. But yeah, the goal is always to not have that doing that exclusively, right? It's like kind of like a step to the next level where you can yeah. build up your client base and then focus on the better ones and referrals. So exactly. And and the way that because we get that question all the time dealing with HR professionals at the different institutions and you know what's in it for you. And while what's in it for us is it gives us a chance to gain exposure. Yeah. If, you know, we used to provide a feedback form that would go back to the employer to give them, you know, the rating as to how we did or yeah. if there was any interest in particular topics. And 
they also had the ability, they being the attendees, had the ability that if they would like to sit down with us after, complimentary, of course, they could tick a box and do that. And if they didn't, fine by us. That's awesome. So would you do these presentations like kind of anytime during the week or was it like a Friday afternoon or a Monday morning that you'd go? Like, how would that work? Yeah, when, when it was running at its peak, we would essentially have our schedule set out from the beginning of the year. Okay, we're going into this institution quarterly yeah. and it's going to be every third Tuesday of the month or whatever. So at that point, it was pretty self-sufficient as to once we had a, had a large swath of seminars that we were running, it got pretty self-sufficient. Yeah, cool. Yeah, good work there. And um, yeah, big, big pasta guy as well, I hear. Very big pasta guy. Very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, with a, with a name like Stefano, you get yeah. you get tied pretty close to, <laughs> you know, the Italian culture. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's the cliche and the is there. Yeah, and I don't know where that 50 handicap came from. I did get that from one of our listeners. Um, you know, I won't disclose his name, but you know him pretty yeah. closely. But I've golfed with you before. It's 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 maybe 45 at the most. So I literally just came from Simplex the golf simulator oh, yeah. <laughs> for a lunch hour when we went and did nine holes oh, yeah. and I was a plus 21 through nine holes. So yeah, it's okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're always better on the back line. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Welcome to the uh, icebreaker. This segment of the show is brought to you by Taylor at Venture Mortgages. Come venture into the exciting world of mortgages. All right, Stefano, we're going to uh, get to know you with some lighthearted questions. So what's your uh, favorite season in Kelowna? Oh, it's got to be summer. Yeah. Like hands down. Are you a bowler? Obviously golfer a little bit. Yeah. I like to do a little bit of golfing, a little bit of boating, which I've been exposed to all that stuff since moving here. Yeah. And so, yeah, hands down summer. We, it's Growing up in the lower mainland, it's difficult to do a lot of those things, just time, effort, cost, and coming up here, those barriers to get into that stuff are quite a bit lower. Yeah. Convenience. And, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. We absolutely love the summertime up here. All right. Are you a beer or wine drinker? I would say beer drinker. Do you like wine at all? I do. I do like wine. I like a little bit of red wine with yes. with a meal. With a pasta. Yeah, with a bowl. Yes, <laughs> 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 would be nice. But uh, definitely a beer drinker. But not good quality beer. Like the big, the big like, niche right now is like, really yeah, yes. craft. Yeah, I'm like a Coors Light. <laughs> Okay, like a like good person, like bank. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. No straight silver bullets. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they're good golfing beers. That's awesome. Okay, well, if you had uh, 12 hours left in Kelowna to never come back, what would you do? Yeah, it would be to hit the lake, either Okanagan or uh, we spend a lot of time in Cal Lake, and yeah. Cal Lake is just beautiful. Yeah. Calic is amazingly beautiful. It, it is like the water complexion and just the warmth of it in the summertime is yeah, yeah like nothing else I've, I've ever experienced. So it would be to spend as much time as we could out there. Do you have any connection to Vernon other side, other than just loving the lake? No, the, the connection for us is uh, my in-laws. Uh, so in between Cal and Woods Lake, there's a canal. Yep. And there's a resort on the canal, and it's called Queens Lake. Yeah. And my in-laws own a spot in the resort, oh, and so they have. So every summer, when the resort opens between sometime in April and doesn't shut down till October, yeah, uh, yeah, we basically try to spend as much time as we can out there, which yes, is that's right, right on the lake. Right How long have they had that? Uh, a few years now. Yeah. Um, going into I think their third year. From what I understand, they're pretty tough to come by. 
But uh, randomly one day with some family visiting, we were going through the canal, noticed the signage that was there and that it was called Queens Lake. And then quick Google search afterwards, saw there was a spot for sale, went and saw it a few times. And then, you know, is it like a structure? Like you buying a property or is it strata? Like, are you paying for the lot? Like, yeah, good question. So it's, it's, they structured as a society. So it's, so what they've done is originally back in the day, there was a single owner of the whole entire resort. Yeah. She looked to sell off. And what they did was a group of the consistent renters or leasers that would come and lease a trailer spot, got together and formed the society to then purchase the property from. And so now what you essentially do is you, as an owner, buy a, a share into the society. Yeah. There's about 90 shareholders now. And what your share allocates you is a fixed plot of land that you can have your trailer permanently parked on there. And then there's strata to go with the maintenance of the property. There's dedicated caretakers of the property. And everyone kind of pools together to run the society. They don't run it for profit, but... Cool. They do well in, in, in the way that they've uh, structured. Themselves. Yeah, that's awesome. That's like kind of like a co-op. Yeah, yeah. yeah very similar. Yeah. Interesting. That yeah, is interesting. Like that. Yeah. yeah. For something like that, I think it'd be awesome. I'm, I'm assuming like, yeah, they have zero vacancies. Like they don't come up very often. Do you have to, like you guys saw the sign, but generally, do you have to know someone to buy into that or? Well, so so typically what happens is the way that they got it was that there was one in family cohort that owned three sites. Oh, awesome. They felt it was too much, looked to offload one of the sites, and they just happened because the first round, uh, if somebody is trying to sell, goes to the existing shareholders for okay. as an opportunity yeah. to buy. Yeah. And then if it makes it past that, then it goes to the public. So that just happened to go through the first round of wow. shareholders. Everyone said no. They went to the public and just timing. It was all luck that the timing worked out. Oh, and nice. we Googled it that day and went and saw it over the next month and... Next thing you know, they my in-laws had a spot in Twins Lake. Ah, cool. <laughs> so do you. Effectively. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. By extension, actually. Yeah. And kind of me. Like, yeah, yeah Stefano and I are related. We're like a third cousin. No, no, I haven't got the invite. I was going to say, I think I'm learning something about you every single episode. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. The Coors Light's cold out there. Yeah. Yeah. The water's warm, but the yeah. Coors Light's cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, besides that, if you were to purchase one property in the Okanagan, recreational investment, what would it be? It would be residential and it would be anything, of course, along the lake. Yeah. I mean, I think that the value that you and you guys would know probably better than I would, but the value that you would maintain and and probably get from something, there's only so much frontage there that you would get by holding on to something like that would be like generational value that you could pass on. Yeah. Right on. I think in Kelowna, everywhere is like they're not, Kelowna's not getting really bigger. It's not sprawling that much. So it's probably good all around that way. But Lakefront is at a premium, obviously. Yeah. I mean, the alternative would be something with a view. Yeah. And I mean, when, when we moved to Kelowna, one of the pieces of advice I was given from, from at the time, the uh, mortgage broker that we were dealing with yeah. said Kelowna is very different than coming from Vancouver, where your value of real estate is gauged off of your proximity to downtown in the lower mainland. So the yeah. closer you are yeah. to downtown Vancouver, the more your real estate would be worth. Where in Kelowna, it's essentially the opposite, where the desirable properties are the ones on the outskirts of town because of the mainly the views that yeah, you would views. get. Yeah. I mean, coming from there, I was more than happy to go live downtown. Coming from the lower mainland, um, we settled just north of there. But I mean, 
it was a bit of a different mindset when we came in to to try and see kind of which part of town could we get you know the most value for yeah depending where we wanted to live and then you so you now you have a nice spot in glenmore and then where else uh did you live anywhere before that or uh when we initially came to Kelowna, we stayed for a few months with my in-laws and they were up in the upper mission oh yeah which was nice yeah i mean it's beautiful up there oh, too yeah. you get you get that's there's get. amazing views up there it's the views yeah beautiful Okay, now that we've gotten to know you a bit more, we're going to shift gears and do a deep dive in uh, kind of your professional background. Okay, Stefano, so do you want to give us your your kind of elevator pitch? You know, we've we've heard a little bit about you, but where you've come from, but most importantly, kind of where you are now, where's business at, who are your kind of clientele that you're working with? What's what's your value add? Yeah, so so I got started in this industry 15 years ago now. Uh, this industry being the finance industry, um, financial services, and started my career, uh, you know, kind of as I mentioned a, a couple times there in in the Lower Mainland. Yeah. From there, it's really intense, like starting any business essentially, as as you're getting, you know, trying to sharpen your teeth and getting the skills, education at that time, training done to equip yourself with the tools that are necessary to to be successful because. It translates to every industry where whether you're an optometrist or you're in real estate or you're in financial services, the education, the technical side gives you the skills and tools to know what it is that you're doing in your individual field. But it doesn't translate into the reality side of, okay, now you got to go and be successful and try and establish yourself and run a business, right? And so that was the really challenging part at the beginning and and i was fortunate enough that really early on there was a more tenured individual at the firm that i was at in vancouver that took a liking to me saw the potential i guess and 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 approached me about forming a partnership and what that partnership ultimately led to was saved me some time it saved me some time of going through the initial say 3 to 5 years of of really pain to try and try and establish yourself, being that I could lean on this individual to point me in the right direction for the on the business development side. Yeah. And so it's kind of I went from year, this was a couple of years into it. I went from year two to what I would say probably two to eight in an experience sense to just be able to bounce these ideas off of somebody else and say, Hey, what about this? Do you think this would work? And he's like, oh, I tried that five years ago. No, it doesn't work. Like, this is what the way we're supposed to do. And then from there, um, went to an independent firm down. We jointly brought our practices over to an independent firm down in Vancouver. This firm is the one that really cemented a lot of the values, beliefs, and philosophies that I have um, and our and now our firm has uh, in Kelowna that I've carried over. And so I, I can talk talk on what I mean by that, but Long story short, 2019, married a couple of kids, looking for uh, an easier way to to live life, essentially. Yeah. Um. And and facing a lot of challenges uh, that a young family would face in in Vancouver at the time. Commute expenses, housing, a big one. Yeah, um. And just looking for something different. And so then we moved to Kelowna in 2019, and with that change came a, a change in in the practice and in my business as well. And so taking my portion from that firm that I was at and partnership and bringing it up to the Okanagan and, and, and forming a new firm and partnership, now the firm being Noble Panu Wealth Management, with our focus very much being financial planning, financial planning focused and driven on the what we would call the implementation side, also dealing with not only just financial planning for everyone we work with, but 
another term I'll throw is wealth management. So management of assets for everyone we work with. And then we also have the ability when and if warranted to place applicable um, insurance tools, life, disability, critical illness, buy, sell, that type of thing. That's yeah. awesome. So who are your clients? Like, can anybody work with you? Should anybody work with you? Or is there like kind of a demographic that you work with? Or Yeah, so we've spent a lot of time on this, especially over the years. It's an uh, evolving question. And yeah. so what our specialty and areas that we're able to be experts in now through all the years of, of, of working with um, individuals in these fields would be in three main areas. And it would be incorporated professionals, yeah. you know, your dentists, doctors, lawyers, accountants, real estate we, We'd say real estate, <laughs> but yeah, they're all sole, sole profits, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the dentistry case, just a side note, Yeah, that has taken off. I've gotten calls, quite a few calls lately about people wanting to move here for their dentist practices, and you drive them around. I don't know what's with that, but they're... Dentists and optometrists right now. Yeah. Lots of eye clinics opening and lots of dental practices opening. Why is that? Why? Like, why was your... Why would you say that is? It's a desirable place to live. Kelowna, uh, from what I've seen since coming here in 2019 and taking coffees with all walks of life yeah. in my industry when I was coming up here, yeah. it just seems there's a lot of professionals that the secret's gotten out to and they're you know wanting to come here and, and live a, a, ba- a balanced lifestyle of being able to get out and do the activities as well as, you know, establish a pretty good business yeah. um, in their field. And it's funny because you'll read a lot of these bios of people that are up here in all industries and they always finish with the last same two last sentences, you know, so-and-so loves to go hiking and they likes to spend their time on the golf course or on the boat or whatever. Right? Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's really funny that way that, yeah, they're coming up here. Kelowna is benefiting so much from people living where they want and not where they work, right? So they're kind of just making the work happen wherever they want to live. And Kelowna is just a huge benefactor. Are you guys seeing that then? Are you seeing that there's a lot of... People coming here? Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Last couple of years, for sure. I've always said this, that most people, like more and more people are working behind a laptop. So they're going to live where they want because they can just work anywhere. And then COVID happened and that was like on steroids. Now everybody's on zoom everybody's here and yeah it's it's a phenomenon it's boiling up the real estate market in Kona, for sure the dentist and the optometry thing that is kind of a different kettle of fish there that's it's nice though it's awesome and i mean those are great businesses to have in the okanagan like that's going to support the economy you know having yeah. high income earners and everyone's uh, nice teeth, good income. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, as long as there's not another pandemic around the corner, like <laughs> it's really yeah. difficult. But yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, for sure, they're they're essential services, basically, especially in the medical field. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice to see. So okay. those are kind of your niche clientele, like the the self employed business owners that are successful, have disposable income, but need some some help with wealth management because they're so busy running their own practice, type of thing. Yeah, exactly. And 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 just to take it a layer further, it's how do you best organize yourself, especially initially to Make sure that you're being as, from a planning standpoint, tax efficient as possible. What are the applicable environments in which you can build wealth for yourself? What does that wealth mount to in the future? And what can you expect when you do enter that next phase of life through retirement planning? Do you need to protect yourself? Do you need to protect your family? Do you need to protect your business through some insurance planning or risk management? And then ultimately, you know, what are you trying to achieve if, if the desire and goal is to then pass assets to the next generation, how can you do that as efficiently as possible as well? 
So that's kind of the rounded way of dealing with their entire financial plan. Yeah. It's not just investments in insurance, as most would say, uh, associate as being a financial advisor. From what we do is to differentiate ourselves is the full planning in all those areas. If let's say we had a realtor, they've they've been working for five, six years now, you know, have a decent income. I'm assuming most of our listeners at this stage are are that realtor. Um, what are the kind of the first steps? How would you structure? Like I know it's a very high-level generic question, but yeah. you know, are there certain things they should do wealth planning or insurance planning? Like what are the say top three that you would suggest they they tackle right away? Yeah, I mean, the first thing you're gonna want to do is get organized on income and expenses. So some basic cash flow planning, have an understanding of what the expectation would be around your income and where that's derived from, where it's going, just as importantly, you know, how you're doing at the end of every month or year, because that'll be the foundation as to opening the avenues to all the other stuff that you can do. So from there, and then it's a a matter of you know, th- we get the question a lot of, does incorporation make sense to me? And yeah. at what level should I incorporate? Um, so then it's about organizing yourself from a structural standpoint. What are the ways in which Canadians uh, on the personal side, can you build wealth for your future? There's certain environments in which you can do that versus if I do say, go down the corporation route, what are the applicable environments that I can do that corporately? And, and that comes into some tax planning that needs to be done. And then the third thing is risk. So mitigating the risk associated to you on the personal side, but more importantly, especially I would say in the realtor field, you are the business. Without you, there is no business, the individual that is. And so protecting yourself, protecting your business, making sure that if something were to happen, that your family and and your business are, are taken care of. And like with that, you're talking life insurance policies primarily? Yeah, I mean, th- that would mainly fall into, yeah, three three scopes as to, again, depending on, on structure would be, you know, life, critical illness, disability. One that really interests me, and I know you and I have spoken about it, and I do have a, a policy for my son, but is that whole life policy um, looking at, you know, be your own bank, willing to leverage that in the future? Do you want to touch on that? Like, do you guys, do you work a lot in that sector? We do. And everything to us, again, ties back to the planning. And so, what I can explain what it is and then the potential of for realtors in particular, how it yeah, let's, may fit in. Like, let's try and break it down for a, yeah. <laughs> elementary grade. Could it, 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 it's not like an over complex uh, strategy, but it, it's tough to comprehend, I would say, on the first couple conversations. Yeah. The first thing I'll say, first and foremost, is to make sure dealing with your own professional that this type of tool, let's say, fits into what it is you're trying to achieve. And so if what you're trying to achieve is a way to um, protect yourself, because at the end of the day, this version that we'll talk about whole life is life insurance at the end of the day, but it also comes with some other unique features tied to it that allow you to build some wealth really tax efficiently, especially if you're an incorporated professional. And so the way that it works typically is, and there's versions that each insurance company will have their spin on. But the way that it works typically is, yes, you have what's called a a death benefit or face value that's associated with the policy. And in order to get that face value or death benefit, there needs to be what's first called an insurable need. So the amount that's determined, again, for us, comes back to determining that amount through your financial plan. What's the risk associated if you were to 
say, pass away prematurely. Or, or That first piece comes at a cost, and the cost is known as the premium. And so you take that premium to that you can use to purchase this face amount of coverage that you would get through life insurance. And that premium can be structured in a number of ways, whether you want to pay for the rest of your life or a limited period of time, like 10 or 20 years, typically, uh, you can structure it in, in, in a number of ways. Also, what that premium gets you is that's unique to this version of life insurance, and in particular, the one we're talking about is whole life, is it allows you to build cash value inside the policy. So there's the this other component that would get itemized on an illustration that you would see that shows some wealth that's building up inside of the policy. What part of that premium goes towards is subsidizing that cash value piece. So now you're paying for the insurance that you've got for coverage, and then you're also building some wealth inside this cash component. The third really piece, really simply, is that, you know, another name for these the style of insurance is called participating life. And we always phrase it that why it's called participating life is because the insurance company will say, you know, you've placed a contract with us and we appreciate that. And so the way that we're going to reward you for that is we you get to participate in some of the profits generated by the insurance company and, and the, that they get to use their money to make more money. And so they will reward you in the form of dividends into this third component that's inside the policy. And so, interesting. Yeah. So, these, so the nice part about that is as you're paying into this for a number of years, you're seeing that the death benefit is guaranteed from day one there. Yeah. And life insurance proceeds in Canada are realized tax free, uh, which is really important to know. But also that as that cash value and dividend piece is growing over time, that's growing what they would call tax deferred, meaning very similar to how a RSP or registered retirement savings plan in Canada is structured. Yeah. On the growth of that money every year, you don't have to pay the taxes. So really tax efficient as a way for, in this case, incorporated, say, realtors yeah. that can take some corporate dollars that are not subject to personal tax rates and shelter to grow over you know a period of time on a tax deferred basis. And then there's a number of ways that you could strategize to tap into that value during your lifetime to get access to the money that's like the cash values that have accumulated in there really tax efficiently as well. I know as soon as you say tax, Matt's eyes are starting to get heavy, but this stuff lights me up. But uh, I know you're. What are the dividends based off of? Like, you know, are you going to have a set dividend at seven percent for that entire policy, or is it based off the bond market? Like, does it fluctuate? Typically, what these insurance companies will do is they'll pool everyone's money who is, uh, has a version of this participating life or whole life insurance into what they've called their PAR fund. And what this PAR fund does is take all of that pool of money and they go out and invest it. And they invest it in equities, bonds, real assets like real estate or infrastructure like airports, toll bridges, whatever. Yeah. And they generate a return off of that money. And that return coupled with the complex formula that they have determines what their um, current dividend rate is. And so determining factor of that as well as the current interest rate environment, uh, that's part of that complex formula that spits yeah. out what... So it, is, so it is something that could fluctuate over time. A company like, for example, and 
Again, not, not that one's better over than the other, but a company like Canada Life, for example, has been doing this strategy for uh, since the early 1900s and has never not paid a dividend into yeah. this version of insurance. So would a, would a high interest rate environment like we are, I don't want to say this is a high rate environment, but it has been increasing substantially over the last 12 months. Would you then expect that dividends are going to be increasing on that? Like, is it a way to hedge that? So they all have yeah, as a result okay. of the environment where we, yeah, like, yeah. we get announcements all the time. And Sun Life, for example, just came out saying that they've increased theirs. Nice. It's a current. Yeah. Am I with Sun Life? Yeah, it's a current. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a direct result. Of- See, you don't care if your mortgage payment goes up because you're making money. <laughs> you got to diversify. <laughs> and then you can leverage that. Like when I meant be your own banker. So in the future, if your policy is large enough, you can essentially take that to specific lenders and leverage that to, to tap into that equity, like as an asset that's secured for a better rate. Um, yeah, very good point. So, the, so one unique feature of insurance is that you can collateralize insurance. So meaning that you can secure lending against your insurance. I've always been super interested in how this works. Cause like we have a lot of insurance, like my wife and I, I've always heard that you can do this, but I've never considered doing it. Like, how does that, does that work? Oh, now you got him excited. <laughs> All right. This is, I've been waiting to ask this question the whole time. <laughs> well, let's run through a real scenario then. Let's say, like, hypothetically, Matt has like a million dollar policy. Yeah. Um, you know, he's still alive, which is great. I think so. And he wants to go out and either invest in mutual funds with you or real estate. How would he collateralize? Yeah. Good question. Specifically to your question there about how to collateralize it. So there's a couple of institutions out there that allow you to take your insurance contract in this particular structure. Let's just pick on whole life still. Yeah. And tap into those cash values or projected cash values because they'll what the insurance company do will do is give you what's called an illustration that will show you the cash values from year one all the way to say your age 100 and project out what those values will become over time. And what the institution, the financial institution or lender will do is take that illustration and say, okay, based off of this, we're comfortable giving you up to, let's say, 90% of what the cash value either is at that point in time or um, what it could be over a period of time. And then they'll secure lending against policy, meaning that then you have to assign your policy or or that portion of your policy over to the financial institution when and if something happens to you yeah. um they get paid first for yeah. the lending piece and yeah. then the net amount goes to your beneficiary well so who do i talk to if i want to do this Do i talk to taylor the mortgage broker or are you the financial advisor yeah ideally you would talk to your financial planner to say you know is this appropriate for me or or i have this structure in place and i want to access some value in it um what's the best way to do that and it's really common for incorporated professionals yeah. that, um, yes, need the protection on the life insurance side. Yeah. Yes, want this version in which they can tax defer some wealth. But yes, they need the capital still available in case they need to put it back into their business. And is it a pretty easy transition? Let's say you you did this, you invested it, and then five years later, you know, you wanted to pay off or decollateralize it and have that full policy back in your name, like it's just document paperwork and you're... Yeah, as long as the bank, you know, gets their money back, you can easily then reassign it all. If you pay out the lending piece, you can reassign it all back to yourself. So do you work with this kind of stuff, Taylor? Like, do you do these kinds of mortgages? 
Yeah, well, it's not a no. It's not a mortgage that I would facilitate the transaction. Like Stefano said, you'd go to him, he'd yeah. make those introductions, and then when you have some liquidated some of that asset or leveraged it, you know, we can put that to work in the future. Okay. So obviously, you know, when you're paying that interest rate to that specific lender, that's a tax deduction on your kind of whole life policy. Then, like, there's yeah, what they say, uh, income tax act says, as long as you're using. Um, borrowed proceeds with the purpose of generating their definition as a reasonable expectation for income. So like a rental property or back into your business, then the interest cost is tax deductible to whether it's yourself personally or the corporation, depending who owns the policy. So are you going to finally get incorporated now or what? I think I might. Maybe right after this. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah, I, I love that stuff. I could talk about this all day. Do you have any more questions specific to that? Because I know Stefano is a bit tight on time, but no, it's just, uh, no, I think we're good. Last question that was kind of, again, eye-opening to me recently was the HSA account. So uh, I'll let you talk about it. But for me, essentially, you know, being self-employed, not having benefits, there's obviously companies like insurance companies you can pay into for medical benefits. But since I have a young growing family, I wanted some kind of ability to still go to a dentist or Cairo or et cetera. And Stefano actually shed some great light on this, which has helped me recently. So do you want to give a brief overview? Yeah. So um, one of the luxuries of running your own business is that you have to provide for yourself, essentially. And that's in the way of, you know, not only your future in the form of building wealth for yourself, being that you won't have exposure to some of these retirement plans that big corporations offer, but also in the form of protection and protection in this case being on the health benefit side. Traditionally, there was the uh, offering and structure of if you wanted a medical and dental plan uh, inside your corporation, you could you could pay for that through your corporation to get some coverage that you need. What would happen is is those structures are, are somewhat restrictive in that uh, you know the claim amounts are, are capped typically. There's certain percentages of maximum that you can claim on every year. And then the, what happens is with the aging population, the costs of them too started to get quite are starting to get expensive. Kind of expensive. Yeah. And so then this idea of what's called a PHSP, a personal health services plan was created. And the HSA being a health spending account falls under this qualification. And so what CRA says is that corporately, you can set up a a health spend account, be funded by corporate dollars, and that health spend account can be used to provide for medical coverage. Um, Amongst, there's, there's some evolution to it that it can provide for also some wellness items as well. But um, for keep it simple um, so that you can provide your employees or yourself being the um, incorporated professional with the pool of capital that's funded from the using company dollars, but to subsidize yourself on the personal side to um, give yourself some medical coverage. So essentially the way it works is your company sets up uh, and and funds a health spend account and it can be to the uh, Parameters are as long as it's reasonable within the income that you're deriving from the company. So, say it's two thousand bucks, you can then, uh, on the personal side, go and get say a thousand dollars worth of massage or Cairo or physio. You pay for it personally, and then you get reimbursed tax-free from your company for incurring those costs on the personal side. 
This is why all the dentists are coming here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. So it's a really tax efficient way to extract some money from your company to provide for health benefits for you personally. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel crazy. I didn't know about this previous, but I was overseas, so it wasn't available to me. I this would write your wheelhouse. So. Yeah. I, this stuff gets me, gets me super. I on your face. I know. <laughs> Uh, it's because my nice, clean, bright teeth. Yeah, I mean, we're fully transparent on the show. So we we do all of this stuff that we discuss. So the whole life policy, yeah. I actually have that set up. Stefano's helped me out set, set that up. Um, the HSA is recently set up. So like, this is my scenario. I set it up. I allocated $4,000 through my corp. And then, you know, if I go to Cairo or the dentist, exactly what he said. It just gets kind of rebated to me on the personal side. The danger is you have to explain this probably 10 times to your spouse and they still don't understand or they just choose not to listen. Because every time Emily's like, oh, we just have this free $4,000. I need to go get massages in this year. Otherwise the money's gone. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Uh, Something has to fund that $4,000. Yeah, exactly. So this isn't just free money. Like it is exciting. It is um, a tax benefit. And, you know, it's about the big picture, right? You're making these small adjustments, but working with someone like Stefano, like you need to have that long-term plan. And obviously there's other key players like your accountant and mortgage broker and real estate agent, financial advisor, et cetera. Yeah, these are awesome products that just the general population, I feel we don't know about. So a lot of self-employed people that are listening to this, yeah, that's a, an easy solution for somebody that's, you know, it's like pulling teeth, going to the dentist. Well, it is, it kind of is, but also so beneficial. Like we should all be doing this. It should be all over. Well, yeah. What, so what do you guys currently do? You're self-employed. What, do you just go and pay? Yeah, like pretty much. Because my wife was a teacher until a couple of years ago, so we right. had yeah. things, and then so she, ever since she's been my assistant for the last year, we just pay it. Yeah. So like we should get onto something. So now as a sole prop, can you set that up? HSA? No. No. So you got to be incorporated. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. There's a a key takeaway again for all those sole props. Because sole prop from uh, uh, all intensive purposes, um, yes, you get the luxury of deducting the expenses, but you receive all your income personally at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Is there anything else you want to touch on, like the platforms yours at this stage to kind of reach out to to listeners, products that you kind of have available or anything you want to discuss? Yeah, I, I mean, what what I'd love to uh, to have is is if you guys are open for it, to kind of an, uh, hear your opinion on this idea as using uh, and what you come across in your experience as using real estate as a component of building wealth. We get that question being, you know, the part of the world that we live in, Vancouver, Lower Mainland, or and uh, Canada in general. Um, our country's in the news a lot when it comes to our real estate growth rates. And we get questions all the time as to, you know, is real estate a good investment? Um, so I'd love to hear what your guys' thoughts are, being that, uh, you know, what you guys are telling clients. And, and... Yeah, I, uh, I can jump in here. I don't know if it's um, more of new age thinking, but I feel that there probably used to be more of a division in certain professionals being real estate agents and mortgage brokers and financial advisors. Maybe, you know, you guys were client retention in the sense like, don't take your money out of RSPs or mutual funds to kind of liquidate to buy real estate, but they really work hand in hand right now. Um, there's specific like high net worth mortgage products that if you have liquidity in a mutual fund or RSP or TFSA, et cetera, we can use that 
basically to, to qualify you for mortgage products. So it really works well if you have that team set up. And then obviously, you know, those can be great tax efficient saving investment vehicles to save up for further down payments. You put it into the property, your property appreciates massively. You can then, you know, tap into that on a refi. And obviously right now, you know, it's a little bit more difficult to provide that lucrative gain. But let's just say if your mortgage rate right now is at 5% and Stefano has a fund that's producing at 8%, you know, you're making a 3% spread on a lot of money that's essentially just sitting in your house, not not doing anything. So I'm obviously a big component, like that's how I built most of my wealth is through real estate, but you need other components that you got to park the money somewhere at some stage. And, you know, having a financial advisor that can work behind the scenes is is crucial for that. That's, that's true. Like definitely you should diversify and all that, but real estate is such a good way for everyone to build wealth, right? Like it doesn't take much. All you got to do, you buy your personal residence, which is pretty much everyone's goal, right? Whether you admit it or not, everyone wants to buy a personal residence. You buy the place for 5% or 10% down. Your mortgage is getting paid down. It's going to appreciate. It might not appreciate in the crazy way it has been in the last two, three years here, or even the last 20 years. But even if it appreciates at all, two, three, four, five 5% a year, like that's going to go up. And over time, your mortgage is going to go down. You're going to have so much equity that you can then use to buy another property. Then you just have this going on twice. And you don't have to be a genius to do this. It's very basic and everybody can do it. And everybody is already working towards it, whether they know it or not. So I feel like Taylor's talking next level kind of uh, diversification and all these strategies. But with real estate, it's just not that complicated. You know, and everyone can do it. Yeah. And, and and our opinion of it has been that, yes, there's always a component of your financial plan that should incorporate, especially if that's your goal, to acquire real estate. Yeah. And, and one of the real advantages financially that real estate poses is that you get, like you said, you get to take a, a small amount of your assets in, in capital, yeah. put it down and get a larger asset just utilizing that small that small component that you've had and so yeah. that's through the the leveraging of real estate yeah, like 20 times your money right? yeah. yeah and so it's there's really not too many environments in Canada outside of real estate where you're allowed to even do that yeah and so yes it it, it forms a, a a part of what your overall plan should be we've always just you know come up at it as as long as you're doing it responsibly yeah, yeah. where you know over the past this craze of whatever 17 years that we've been yeah, through now yeah. we've seen people sometimes overexpose themselves to 80 90 percent of their overall wealth all into real estate and, yeah. and like, like taylor was saying and leveraged yeah and like taylor was saying you know if if there's the ability to be responsible and then separate that into other areas you know ideally you do so oh big time definitely that's a goal for sure. Yeah. You just practice fundamentals when it comes. And there are a lot of regulations, like we've spoken about this before with the stress test and everything, like our purchasing power isn't as high as it once was. And therefore, you know, we have that bit of protection, um, whether we like it or we don't. Well, that's why those guardrails got put in place yeah. because of everyone. Yeah. So there's the times like, yeah, yeah. So there's not a lot of deferred payments at this stage. And we do empathize to anyone that's obviously struggling with a monthly budget. We're not saying that. But yeah, I, you know, to go a little bit further and, you know, I won't dive into this too much because it is a bit of a rabbit hole, but if you do own your primary residence and you have more than 20% equity, um, there are products that you can 
You can tap into like a readvanceable mortgage. And as long as you're using that home equity line of credit in an investment that has an expectation to return, you know, cash flow like a mutual fund, then you can write off that portion of your home equity line of credit, the interest rate payment on it. So there's as long as it's done in a non-registered environment. Yeah. RSPs, TFSAs, those types of things are not applicable. So there's, yeah, there's a ton of... Um, Be sure you get some yeah, proper advice yeah, before no, doing that. Yeah. And that's, again, why <laughs> you, you work talk with to a professional. Yeah, that's why you work with an accountant and financial. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of just planning that goes into it, but there is massive wealth building and generational wealth that can be passed down if done correctly. Yes. But just, yeah, don't go out and just jump at this stuff. Do a bit of research and speak to professionals and, yeah. Yeah. You're trying to tell me after listening to this podcast, you can't be not a professional. You're speaking to professionals right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm a professional. Yeah. Good. A lot of blazers. I'm loving it. <laughs> we need to get this thing on YouTube. Okay. Well, let's. Things are up against your sweater. Oh, man. Actually, it's not a date. Oh, okay. Yeah. We can trade for the next show. Well, we'll shifting gears into the uh, ice maker. Time for everyone's favorite part of the show the ice maker section. Brought to you by myself, Matt Glenn. Okay, Stefano, just uh, wrapping up the show here with our ice maker. Um, can you comment on your best habit or routine that you attribute to your success and something you feel our listeners could benefit from? Oh, it's going to make me sound like a nerd, but uh, reading. Read as much as you can and try and consume, especially early on when you're when you're getting up on your feet. Consume as much as you can in, in your industry for content, statistics, stay up to date on, on your knowledge, trying to always further your, your education. You know, it only helps. It's, it's such a, it's such a boring thing to say, but it's, it just holds true that over the years, you'll just start to notice that your knowledge of what it is that you're doing is just accumulating so quickly. Yeah. So do you mean like industry specific mostly? Like does that That's all I do. I, 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 I'm not a, um, Okay, that fiction reader. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I only read stats. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a like I'm not a fiction reader. I don't read for the. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the exact. Same. If I'm reading something, it's somebody who's posted a blog that's talking about a topic in my field, or yeah. interesting, or a podcast about something in the financial world, or nice. We're gonna have one download. <laughs> no, I, I I'm with you. No, yeah. so, I know. I'm, I'm I'm even like embarrassed to say it but it's it's the, it's the truth it's the quickest way to build up yeah. the confidence and yeah. um when you're working with clients that what you're saying is the right thing if you have the the knowledge base behind it yeah yeah i mean now you can just use the uh ai chat well that's it yeah. so we'll just throw that uh, isn't that amazing <laughs> yeah that's a whole yeah. nother show yeah oh i'd love to talk about yeah. that with, yeah. like another time yeah we should talk to someone that knows what they're talking about in that talk. oh i'd love to be included yeah. that. Well, let's, let's just interview the bot yeah we'll just let's ask just the bring bot. them up and start yeah. asking questions yeah. i mean yeah. are these guys talking to siri <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I think I'll start running the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He knows what I'm going to say before I do. Yeah, uh, what's the best thing you've ever spent money on? Again, not to be boring, but activities for my kids. Yeah. That's not boring. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We've gotten them. They're starting to get to the age where they're skiing, they're playing soccer, gymnastics, dance. And any of those that they get excitement from is, is to me, worth every, every penny. That is so... Okay, so I have this theory. So when I played hockey, or when I was a kid, I played hockey and I played soccer and I played every sport. And I played them a lot. And my parents 
and my sister just always had to watch me do all these things. So now, like, my wife's pregnant. We're going to have a baby soon. And I'm thinking, like, man, I want our son to play golf, boat, ski, just be so that we can do it all together. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, I think those are yeah. it's important to do that. Because my friends, when growing up, their families all went together, and they just did those things together. But with me, when I went to go play hockey on these tournaments and all over the province and farther yeah. sometimes, like, it was just me yeah. playing. And they all just had to watch. And I obviously, when you're a kid, that does not cross your mind. But as mm-hmm. now that it's tables have turned, thinking about it all. Yeah. Right? yeah. So like Participate yeah. with them. Yeah. 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 Like they still do it, but then everybody gets to do it. Yeah. It might be weird with my oldest daughter getting out there and doing ballet with her, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's yeah. something that, uh, yeah, she enjoys. And yeah, for sure. I would say anything you can do to expose your kids on the activity side. That's, yeah, Definitely. Okay, what is the most impactful book you've ever read or a favorite quote, if you want to put both of those together? Sure. So my favorite book that I have ever read is going to be an industry book, and it's called Big Mistakes. And it's, yeah, so by Michael Batnick. And it is a book that talks about some of the smartest people in the history of the world, like Winston Churchill, Albert Einstein, and their biggest financial mistakes that they've ever made. Oh, cool. That's, so it's like, it just, that. yeah, it just go, it just speaks to the fact that no matter how intelligent you are at the end of the day, we're human and we have emotions and yeah. a lot of the emotions yeah. come out tied to money. Yeah. And so they're not immune to that, even though they're so intelligent. That is so funny. I have lots of uh, Winston Churchill books on the shelf. I think I probably a few right there, but none of them are talking about that. So yeah. that's uh, super yeah, interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to read that one. Uh, as for a quote, I mean, one of my, my favorite quotes is to do with that, to do with mistakes. And, and what it is, is um, intelligence is learning from your own mistakes, yeah. but genius is learning from the mistakes of others. So it just kind of speaks to, f- yeah, to the fact that early on in my career, I had the pleasure and luxury of um, bouncing these ideas off of a more senior, tenured business partner. And I got to just basically learn from what it is that he had already done yeah. and had gone through it the hard way yeah. and taking that and, and not having to actually expose myself to it, but really just take what his experience was and, and realize that, okay, he's already done it. He's realized that this is the proper way to do it. So I'm just going to do it the proper way from the beginning. I love it. Not reinventing the wheel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. So I'm probably creating a lot of geniuses then if they're learning from my mistakes. <laughs> so I'm making a lot of mistakes. It's a podcast. I'm making a lot it's of geniuses. The most geniuses per capita. <laughs> yeah, this podcast. Yeah. All right, Stefano. Well, this has been fantastic. You're obviously full of knowledge. Pick your brain forever. Uh, what can we do to, what can we and our listeners do to help you? Like, do you, is there anywhere we can follow you or should we reach out, get your services or? Yeah, I mean, from a business standpoint, I think the best thing you could do uh, if you are looking for some financial planning advice would be to just check out our website. It's uh, www.noble, N-O-B-L-E, P-A-N-U, P is in Peter, A-N-N-U, wealth.com. From there, we have some tabs that speak to some of the areas that we specialize in, especially if you're contemplating incorporation. It's a pretty big uh, life event, I would say, that uh, you should probably get some proper advice around. So yeah, just check out our website. We just reach out and then is it free to talk to you or how does that work? Yeah. So so again, part of our process is when we take people through the initial stages of, of, again, belief and philosophy, everyone should have a financial plan. 
Yes. To us, it's as important as filing your tax return, that it should, in our opinion, be a requirement that you should have to do yeah. every year is update your financial plan. And it's funny, actually, just on a sidebar, the association that my certified financial planning designation, FP Canada, falls under is actually in the process of creating a formal proposal to the federal government to say that if you have a financial plan on your taxes, you should receive a financial planning credit. Oh, so yeah. a reduction in your taxes. Yeah. That. And so that's the initial stages of what they're contemplating, but they're trying to, again, put the seriousness behind just how important it is. So initially, our belief being that everyone should have that plan in place, um, there's no cost to reaching out and having the conversation with us to start getting organized. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You've always been very generous and liberal with your time. So um, yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks guys for having me. This has been great. Again, congratulations to you guys for starting this. This is... Something yeah, I've, yeah. you know, wanting to do for years and years now, and I'm glad to see someone doing it. Well, could be could be a third host here. <laughs> yeah, we, we have. You're definitely welcome back anytime yeah, you want. Yeah. We need someone that. that's a bit more well-read than us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank All you. Right, see you later. Hey, bye. Thanks for listening to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast. Be sure to reach out and let us know how else we can add value to your Kelowna real estate journey. Please show some support by hitting the like, share, and subscribe button. This is sponsored by Matt Glenn Real Estate and Taylor Adventure Mortgages.